Welcome to the Hack Your Mind podcast, where we hack your thoughts to ultimately hack your life. You're listening to the Hack Your Mind Business Edition, where valuable insight is shared, motivation is increased, fears are tackled, and business hurdles are solved. I'm your host, Celine. Let's start hacking. In this episode, I'm joined by my very first guest and dear friend, Caroline Candice, where we're going to bring you a unique collaborative conversation. This won't be your traditional episode where a guest is being interviewed. Rather, we're both coming in hot to share mistakes we came across, lessons we learned, and experiences we had along the way. If you find yourself while you're listening to this episode, where you're like, oh, I wish they took this particular topic on and we didn't, just shoot me an email and I'll be sure to include it in the next episode. Drum roll, please. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about how to successfully start your own online business. I am so excited to be here with a special guest today. Some of you may have seen her on Instagram as Caroline Tushuk. She's an orthomolecular healthcare practitioner, helping individuals balance their hormones, eat right, all while having a healthy attitude about body image. Caroline recently started her own organic skincare line called Look Organics, which is totally taking off, and I couldn't think of someone more valuable to join me on this topic of getting started for your own online business. So without further ado, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here and have this little chat with you. Me too. I'm super excited. So Caroline's a really close friend of mine and I've been kind of in the backgrounds watching her do this business. I have seen when she didn't have it versus when she was starting it and it's been such an exciting process to be a part of and to hear about. I'll break down this episode quickly, just so everyone knows why we're talking about this and what value we're going to bring to your life with this conversation. So I know with COVID, so many people have been inspired to start their own business right now. They have so much time to kill at home. They have all this time to take on these passion projects that they've always wanted to do, but their full-time job never allowed them to do it. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how to start your own online business Whether you're thinking of starting one, or you're in the early stages of having one, or you currently have a product-based business and you're thinking of horizontally expanding to offer services, and vice versa. So I'll be sharing from the perspective of a service-based business, and Caroline will be sharing from a product-based perspective for all the topics we dive into. Before we jump in, I want to bring some context into what we both do because I feel like it confuses a lot of people and people don't really know what we do for a living. So Caroline, what do you do for a living? Totally. Uh, So I have two online businesses. One is Caroline Candice Wellness, which is a service-based business where I've created online guides and I provide online nutrition consulting services. And I also have a product-based business called Look Organics, which is a direct-to-consumer personal care brand. Sweet. So you basically do a lot. Yeah. Many hats. And you're very busy. Yeah. Uh, And it's really cool that you have the dynamic of both the service-based experience for running a business and the product-based experience for running Mm -hmm. a business. So for those of you who don't know, beyond being a mentor and doing this podcast and my own workshops, 
I own a company called Gallon Avenue, which is a boutique digital firm. We specialize in making high-end websites, designing poised branding identities, and we basically do it all with psychological elements for persuasion. In a nutshell, the main objective is to help businesses make more money. So as you can see, I'm heavily on the service side of things rather than product driven. I really feel like with Caroline's Look Organics company, it's such a cool thing for people because people often ask you, Caroline, how did you get started? What did you do? So I feel like there's a lot of curiosity around having your own product-based business. Anyways, let's dive in. Let's talk about the very early stages of starting the business and what fears you can think back to that you had when you first got started <laughs> doing Look Organics. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, I think with most everyone, I think the biggest fear comes down to uh, failure and limiting beliefs. So I mean, like, do you think you can make X amount of money? Do you think your content's good enough? Um, is there too much competition? Uh, obviously, skincare, personal care brands, there is a lot of competition out there. So you kind of have to think of your own uh, unique value proposition, like how is your product going to be different than the rest and stand out? Um, yeah, fear of taking risks. That was a huge one. Um, not really for me, because I feel like throughout my whole like entrepreneurial journey, I've done a lot of risky things. I don't know if you remember when I used to do retreats back in the day. Do you? I remember you mentioning that you've done it. Yeah. So like back then I would just, you know, book a vacation home for like 30K on my credit card, hope people sign up and then meet them down in St. Lucia. So even now when like I started Look Organics, I basically emptied my whole bank account, put all the money into it. And I was like, fuck, hope it works. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's very hard to take those risks, but I think it's more about acknowledging what the risks are and then addressing them. Like just being honest with yourself about your skills, strength, work ethic, and then understanding your target market and making smarter decisions from there. So like, I guess more calculated risk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think fear is inevitable, especially when you're up to something cool and something that you know matters to you. I think mm -hmm. fear is a guaranteed sidekick that's gonna come with things. So like yourself, like I really believe in just jumping in and taking risks and Sometimes it's not so much about having your ducks in order, rather just believing you'll be willing to do whatever it takes to pretty much get whatever it is you want accomplished or done. And if you can't, then having the faith that you'll know how to pivot or just basically trusting in your own parachute. When I started the seminars, it was very vulnerable for me to do that. And initially I didn't monetize it. Initially my seminars were for free. And then with all the feedback, it was like, yo, you should totally be charging for this. So I was like, okay. Um, but <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And you've attended a few. Thanks for being such a support. So essentially, I think one of the things, if you're currently in the process of starting your own business and you have a lot of fear, don't take that as a sign that maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I'm not equipped. Fear is a natural process to any entrepreneur. I think the best entrepreneurs have a lot of fear. It means they're doing something great. It's a matter of whether you're going to choose to run with it and trust yourself or not. So I totally agree. And I think the fears that you listed, Caroline, are so relatable. I can totally relate to everything you said. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into regurgitating them, but I'm, I'm very aligned. And I think anyone listening to this also shares those fears equally because Look, you might be in a corporate job right now and you're like, oh, like I'm sick of the nine to five. I want my own business. 
now that COVID's around, like maybe I have the time to take this on and see where things go. But you probably have a lot of doubt and a lot of questions and a lot of, but what if, but what if this, but what if that? And you have to be good at putting that aside. And as Caroline said, really looking at your limitations, your skill sets, what risks are involved and how you can pretty much combat them. Like put it on paper and really look at it. But also don't be scared to jump in and trust yourself because ultimately I think that that ability to trust in your own parachute is one of the biggest gems that an entrepreneur can have in their pocket. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's something that's super important to learn how to not necessarily get rid of a fear. It's to acknowledge it's there. It's to welcome it because it's a signal that you're doing the right thing. It's a great GPS to basically saying, yep, I'm on the right track. If I'm scared, it's meaningful and doing it anyways, like jumping scared. You know what I mean? I love that Instagram quote. It says, jump scared, darling. And that's what I always think about. (laughs) I've never seen that, but that's cute. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So Caroline, in your case, were there any setbacks that you experienced along the way when you started your, specifically this product line for Look Organics? Totally. Uh, Many. (laughs) Um, So just like we were saying, like, I think we can all do our best to take smart risks, predict what's going to work, what's not going to work, but more times than not, things aren't going to go as planned. You're going to have to, you're not going to have to take it too personally. You're just going to have to do your best to adapt and pivot. So service-based model that I, that I have, I personally have experienced a lot less setbacks with the product-based model. It's a completely different beast Mm -hmm. and there's so many moving parts to it. So obviously like, you know, with the service, you deliver it to the customer and then you get their feedback kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, with the product, you know, you deal with the packaging and label solutions. You have your chemist, your fulfillment center. And then when it leaves there, you deal with DHL, Canada Post, and like before it even gets to the customer. And then once it gets to the customer, like it could have been, you know, something happened to it on the way and it's like broken and there's this. There's always like very many moving parts to mm-hmm. deal with. Um, and especially with the current pandemic right now, it's basically a nightmare with, um, obviously all of like the post office right now because apparently it's you know Christmas Eve type of busy every day so there's like three to four weeks of you know delays so yeah it's definitely a everyone's lot. bored like buying shit at home <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I can definitely attest to that I definitely agree with you I think that a lot of business articles I've read and come across always say they suggest to start with service-based entrepreneurship because of the lack of complexities and obviously certain industries vary I'm not going to say every service-based business is seamless but Product-based businesses definitely have a lot of moving parts to it. And it's almost a great thing to have a service-based background before you jump in to a product-based industry, just to have that knowledge of do's and don'ts of an entrepreneur, what works, what doesn't, how to speak to customers. Like there's so many pieces along the way that you can learn that, I mean, can you speak to that? Like you started with service and now you're in product. Has your experience in service lended to you being better at running? 100% with everything I've learned before. It's definitely helped me to be where I'm right now. Obviously I have no degree in business and right now I'm running two. Um, but the the service base definitely helped me a lot. And it also helped me have um, capital to launch this one. I mean, if I didn't have that business going in the background of this, I wouldn't have the money to like keep doing restocks and stuff like that. So 
that's like another thing we can touch on later that I think a lot of people, when they start an online business, they don't realize that you probably are going to be working for another company or your own other business at the same time. You're not just going to start making money right away. So with respect to experiencing setbacks, how do you overcome them? (laughs) Just adapt and pivot. Um, Do you want to hear a story probably that could probably help people from the very beginning of when I launched Look Organics? Yeah, go for it. I don't know if you remember this, but we were one week away from launching in August. I had everything ready, you know, like the, bro- the, the products were going to look beautiful. I'd al- already tested samples of what the labels were going to look like on the products. So all of the products arrived to my warehouse in Toronto. And if you've never experienced Toronto in the summer, it's like very hot and humid. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out the labels were applied with a slight humidity in the air, which did not go with the frost glass bottles that I had. So, oh my God, I remember this. <laughs> so I went to check on these thousands, thousands of bottles and all of the labels were peeling off and I was literally yeah. about to launch on that Monday. And I was just like, holy fuck. Like, what am I going to do? Because like, there was absolutely no way I was going to let these go out like that. And so I called uh, the people who did the labels and they're like, yeah, we, we can't do this for you at least for another six weeks. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, and we don't really have other labels that, you know, we can put on that. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So obviously I found another label company. I like rushed that order. I packed my whole Jeep with thousands, thousands of (laughs) bottles and drove them to my house. Me and my mom sat at the kitchen table in their house and literally peeled off all of these labels for two days straight and just chatted. Like, and that's what we did. And then I dropped them off at another warehouse to get them relabeled. And then we launched literally 10 days later. But I mean, I was driving home, uh, back to my parents' house, literally just, you know, with all these, um, with all these things in the back. I'm like, if I get in a car accident right now with all of these glass bottles, my whole savings of everything I like put into this is over. So you're always going to deal with stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, you just kind of have to pivot, adapt, figure it out. It is what it is. But like, how are you going to find a solution for that? You know, that's great advice. And I think that what Caroline's really pointing to and what I'm trying to point to is that shit happens. And always, no matter how much you prepare, no matter how many books you read, how many business people you speak to, how many podcasts you listen to, shit happens. And what it's going to come down to is your ability to do whatever it takes to fix that problem, learn from it and move on. That's something that is integral to recognize. I think one mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs in the making do is that they over plan and don't get into action. There comes a point where it's almost like a a compensation method to not have to get into action. I've seen so many business owners do this where they're like, no, but it's not perfect yet, but this, but this, but that, but it's like, just, just get started and then perfect later. For a lot of people starting out, that's probably one of the biggest nuggets for you to take from this episode that I have to share, which is just do it. Like just fucking do it. Go make your website, find a way to get it in action and just start imperfectly. And that's how you're going to get somewhere. That's how I started this podcast. That's how I started my seminars. That's how I started my business. Like it's how you just have to do things because if, if you're anything like me and maybe even you, Caroline, where you do things with excellence, like you want things to be 
great. You don't want to just launch something that's shit. You're going to think of everything. And then that creates paralysis. If you're in that state right now, get out of that, make it smart, just jump and fix as you go. That's, that's something that I think people need to really like grasp to actually start the online business. I totally agree with that. And I mean, there's so many things I even look at my business now. I'm like, I hate this part about this. I hate this, but no one else notices it. Like literally no one else. And even though like, I think it's great to always want to be better and like perfecting this. And I think it's always great to do that. But at the same time, I think I'm definitely a perfectionist just like you. And I think the best thing that you can do is put it out there and then get feedback Mm -hmm. and then keep going from there. Yeah. It's better to get in action imperfectly than not get in action because even if you think you made everything perfect things are going to happen anyways you're still not going to have something that's perfect or good enough so might as well learn as you go and at least get ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. in your opinion caroline what do people need to know about having a business online okay Take that on because I think a lot of people would be curious to hear, you know, okay, here I have this product that I want to do. What do I need to know about it going online or selling it online? 100%. So I actually have a lot of people come to me and ask for advice for wanting to start their own um, product line online. And they tell me this big whole plan, like, you know, I want to start five products and do this. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to make money online or do you want an actual business? Because the plan you're telling me about, you're going to need like at least 150K to start it and you're likely not going to pay yourself for at least two years. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I think, and if you don't have that much capital to start with and you're just, you basically just want the freedom of like working online. I think there's so many ways you can do that without having your own business. You can become an affiliate. You can do it, be a copywriter, photographer, like maybe start a podcast and like do ads on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people who do drop shipping. So I think that's like an important thing to realize too is do you want a business or do you just want to make money online? They're two big mm-hmm. separate things. Mm-hmm. That's a great distinction actually. Mm-hmm. Very good. No, I, I see that all the time and I'm like, yeah. So like, if you just want to make money online, starting a product based thing, you, you, if done properly, you're probably not going to make money for a really long time. I think what makes having a business online attractive to people, which is why they're probably drawn to it is the concept of working digitally from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like not having to go into an office necessarily. Um, also paying rent is a huge overhead. So having mm-hmm. your store, quote unquote, living online is not as expensive. Yes, you might have to invest in having a decent site made, but it's nowhere near the cost of monthly rent. So I think there's definitely strategic advantages to having a business online. Um, But there's also things that I think, as you pointed to, Caroline, with products, and I think specifically with beauty products, it's necessary to start with only a few, like one to three products. Because if you overwhelm with five or seven or 10, it's not a good way to start your business. So if you're currently doing a product-based business, I highly encourage you to really think for a second and and start with less SKUs. Unless, of course, you're doing like a t-shirt line, then obviously you're going to want to have maybe eight to 10 staple t-shirts that you're selling at a given time. But for product-based beauty industry, makeup, this, that, always start with core key products and then expand as you get feedback. 
totally. Because even for, I mean, to manufacture anything, whether it be like maybe you want to create a little food product or skincare or whatever you want, um, these places that are going to ma- manufacture this for you, you're probably looking at minimum 10,000 units per SKU. So if you want to start five, that's 50,000 units that you're going to have to hold on to. And like, can you sell that? Is there expiry Mm -hmm. dates? Is there this? So it's Mm -hmm. just a lot of money to put in right away. So I definitely think, you know, start small and get feedback from people because otherwise you're going to be holding on to a lot of stock. Um, And then on top of that also, like you're going to be paying shipping, you have a warehouse, there's marketing, there's websites. So there's just a lot with product, which is why I obviously started um, originally with service. And there's little to no overhead costs with starting a service-based business. Obviously you have your marketing, you have to create a website. But after that, I mean, if you have online products like eBooks, there, there's no cost after you create them to keep them going. Exactly. Courses, there's no cost after you create them and you're just constantly having revenue come through. So I definitely think it is a great place to start if you've never had a business before mm-hmm. and just there's little to no investment in it. And I think it's a great, definitely a great place to start versus just being like, wow, now I'm just really in the hole. Totally. And I personally completely agree with that. I have to consult a lot of businesses when they come through the door to get their online presence up and running. I've seen a lot of product-based clients. I've seen a lot of service-based clients. And often there's like an extra layer of stress with the product-based industries that there's there's a timeline because as you pointed to, certain things, even with fashion, go out of style. So if you have a lot of SKUs and a lot of inventory, you got to figure out a way to get rid of that quickly. Otherwise, that's just money sitting in your warehouse that you're literally burning. But I definitely think that it is more cost effective to start from a service-based industry. If you really believe in something, keep at it, get creative, figure out ways, but also if the business model is smart and if it makes sense. Sometimes you do have to abandon certain ideas that aren't working. I've had to do this a few times. (laughs) Um, in my business, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I just, I get it. The universe is speaking to me and the product is speaking to me. The industry is speaking to me. This is not something that's needed right now. You have to learn when to let go and when to park it on the side to bring it in later. But that's something I think that's an important distinction between product-based and service-based businesses. Yeah. And if I could just, um, I guess, expand on that a little bit, I think regardless if it's a product or a service, I think the most important thing to remember when you're launching this business is like, what's the problem I'm trying to solve? Because you Mm. should be solving important issues with your products and services. Because I think one of the reasons some uh, entrepreneurs fail or businesses fail is because they try to solve a problem that's too small and they can't create and maintain like a client base from it. So, you know, solve a big problem and then make your, you know, product or service different than everyone else's. That's like your value proposition. Um, if your problem, oh, totally. your business solves is significant enough, you should, uh, you shouldn't have an issue generating profit from your clients, your ideal clients. That's so true. And that said, there's also certain industries that you can succeed in being super niche where mm-hmm. there isn't every, it's not catered to the masses. It is something that's specific to very specific type of business owners. So I serve business owners, right? And in my case with Gallon Avenue, I do consider us more of a niche boutique because we're not for everyone. Based on that, I think sometimes it really serves, for example, my company really well to serve a niche category 
in, in what Caroline's saying, I'm 100% aligned. I think that you, you should be solving a great problem, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that problem has to apply to the masses. You can also get really good in a niche sector and everyone knows you for it. Everyone knows that you are the one person to go to or one company to go to for this particular thing. Generally speaking, though, I think product-based is more aligned with what Caroline's saying, where you should be solving a bigger problem for the masses because you're pushing products, right? Products can only sell for so many dollars often. It's not like you're selling hot tubs for $5,000 a piece, right? Sometimes there's products that are $5, $30, $60. So you need more cash flow, more business. Therefore, it needs to appeal to the masses. That said, service-based industries don't necessarily need to appeal to the masses. They have to appeal to solve a big problem. And often, like in my case, I solve a problem for businesses in a very unique way. What I do is very niche and that's what I'm known for. Caroline, did you have a contingency plan if you didn't sell the products you invested in? <laughs> no, I just honestly, Good girl. <laughs> I didn't. No, no, I love I didn't. that. I love that. No. I knew they were going to sell because, um, I think when I started to like, before I started, I got so much like feedback about this. Cause I, the, the main reason why I did start this is because I used to make my own skincare in my bathroom mm -hmm. and my audience on Instagram was like, what do you use for your skin? What do you use for your skin? And I'm like, I make my own skincare line in my bathroom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then from there, I'm like, Whoa, ding, ding, ding. Like, why don't I start my own product line? Um, and like the first three products I launched were like the exact same ingredients and like things that I actually used. And then I obviously got a chemist to make them. I did not make these myself. Right. And we, we grew from there, but I knew there was a lot of interest because of the feedback I got. And I was keeping my audience in the loop the whole time. Yes. And that's a great point. So you knew that there was a market for this. You knew you had the following and the support to basically invest in your products because a lot of people follow you for value. They're getting value for recipes. They're getting value for understanding their bodies better, um, body confidence, all of this stuff. So I think that you've done a great job with establishing trust and having value to add with your account. And you have a great following, which trusts what you say and listens to what you do because you put a lot of integrity behind what you do. So another really important thing I think that we should touch on is having a good marketing plan, killer branding, even in certain industries, I think a website is so crucial. Some not as much, but other industries, oh my God, it's like, it is your store. So you got to invest. And in the case of Look Organics, I mean, I love the sleek branding you guys have. How important do you believe it is to have a great brand, have a great website, have a good marketing plan, and even strategic alliances? I mean, it's everything right now, especially in the times we're in with um, COVID and everything is online right now and we're spending more time than ever on our phones, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, even when we go to a restaurant, I'm sure, at least I do, I look up that restaurant on Instagram even before I get there. I'm like, what did other people eat? You know, like you kind of go through, <laughs> you go through everything and like it's just kind of the way people view either your restaurant, your product, your brand. It's, it is everything online. So obviously having, a killer online brand um, marketing plan and just like making your Instagram look good. Uh, yeah. And even like the followers too. Like, I mean, like 
as much as followers don't mean that much, I feel like there is some credibility when like, you know, you're trying to buy, um, anything and you know, they have a hundred thousand followers or 210, you know what I mean? Definitely. I think that, I think it's something that you cannot neglect. So if you're starting your own business right now and you're like, ah, I'm just going to go on Fiverr and, you know, pay 50 bucks for a logo, pay 50, just don't because and I know I spoke about not making things perfect, but there's one thing about making things perfect and there's another thing doing things hack. Okay. So you don't, <laughs> don't no, want to, totally. you don't want to start hack. You want to start at a nice baseline. It doesn't need to be crazy. It doesn't need to be incredible, but it does need to be decent. And that this is not something you can afford to neglect because you need to be smart about how to get your product or service out there. There's, depending on the industry you're in, there's so much saturation. Like there's so much competition. You won't even, you'll be just a little freckle and it's not going to help. Your brand being branded properly and your website being done properly is credibility. It doesn't still trust. So it, it is necessary. It's a perspective thing and a perception thing for people when it comes to interacting with your brand. Totally. You yeah. never want someone to like buy a product off your website or something and just be like, did I just get scammed? Like, is yeah, this even like a like, real thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. There's stuff I want to buy on Instagram sometimes. You know, those ads that come up for those like insane dresses that you're like, oh, this is so for me. And then you go to the website and it's just, you can tell it's going to come yeah, like, in a totally different shape and size. <laughs> 100%. And I honestly think there's so many brands out there that are actually doing that. So it is important to be very careful. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, like even like looking at those Instagrams, when you like kind of feel like it's a scam, look at the comments and say like, I haven't, there's so many people being like, I haven't gotten my product ever. You know, right. there's always people saying that. So I always make sure to look before I buy something. <laughs> totally. I also think that if, for example, you're an interior designer and your website isn't designed in a sleek way, you just broke your credibility. You could be the best interior designer in the world. And if your site looks like that, that immediately breaks some kind of consistency for your level of quality for what you have to offer. So these are things I personally, whenever I'm dealing with my clients, I always tell them you need to equip yourself. So if you are, I don't know, I'm, I'm coming back to organization, like home organization, but your website's cluttered. No, you can't do that. No. You know, and like just be professional. Like it's like make your email an actual email, not a yeah. hotmail address. Yeah. You know, like I literally yeah. hired a lawyer as I'm obviously living in Portland right now and for, to do my immigration. And every, he apparently was like one of the best um, immigration lawyers, but we looked at his thing after we paid and it was a hotmail address. I'm like, Brian, did we just get scammed? Like, I know we were just in the office and it seemed legit, but I feel like something's up, you know? Yeah. But apparently all was good, but like a hotmail address, you know, <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah. That is so important. If you don't want to invest the $5 a month to get your own mailbox, then at least have a contact form in your website or encourage phone calls instead. These little details are very important to establish trust and credibility and overall creating a cohesive brand. Like look organics, the website's clean. It looks pure. It's not, you know, cluttered and crazy. It's very minimalistic, exactly like her product. So there's a cohesiveness that 
connects and the trust isn't broken with respect to how they're perceiving and interacting with the brand. One topic that I really wanted to take on was what mistakes to avoid or misconceptions about having your own online business. Do you want to take this, Caroline? And I'll add sure. to you. Okay. I definitely think with product lines, at least like being realistic with your timeline. Oh my God. You think you're going to launch, you know, you're going to launch your business and it's all going to be ready in like four months. That's what I originally thought. After I registered the corporation, the business did not get launched at least for eight months after because you have to create the product. You have to test the product. You have to trial the product. You have to bottle the product. You have to design the product. You have to label the product. You got to trademark the product. Like there's a lot when it comes to that. And then after you've done all that, you have to find a fulfillment house. You have to get a warehouse, um, design your e-commerce website, find your shipping providers, open business bank accounts, hire a lawyer, hire accountant. You know, there's just like a lot of stuff like that behind it and then make sure you have enough capital to start and keep the business up and run officially (laughs) once you've done all that. So I think just being very realistic with your timelines and just have all of those things in a row um, before you launch it, of course. So it sounds like it's a good idea to add time buffers or padding. So if you expect you're going to launch in three months, really make it five or six. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That was the biggest thing for me, at least, especially because, you know, you get told little timelines, but things will never go as planned for the most part. So, you know, something happens, it gets delayed another four weeks. So, I mean, there's always like that. Yeah, I think that that's that's great input. With respect to the service side of things, for those starting a service-based business, I think there's a few things that, maybe three key mistakes to avoid that I'd like to touch on. First and foremost, and this is something that happens so often, is undervaluing what you're selling. Often when I'm interacting with businesses or startups, I look at their pricing model and I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you charging this? It's normal when you first start your business that you're going to undervalue what the service or product is worth. Sometimes it's easier to identify a price tag with products because it costs you something to make. So you're going to know, okay, well, I want to mark it up by this margin, right? Right. When it comes to a service-based industry, it's a bit more challenging for business owners to attach an hourly rate or a cost to what they do. And often when they do, they're undervaluing because there isn't that confidence or that experience backing them. That's the first thing I I definitely recommend to a service-based business. Don't undervalue what you're selling. In fact, sometimes I even say double your price and make up for the value. So Let's say you're, you're a logo designer, a graphic designer, and you charge $300 for a logo. What advice I would give that person is charge double. Make it $600, but make up the value and deliver something incredible. Offer more, but charge the $600. I would rather have my time crafted and spent doing quality and making more money than doing hundreds of different things for a lower amount. My number one advice in this sense is don't undervalue what you're selling. If you're not good enough to charge that, charge it and make up for it. Do it. That's the only way you're going to get to lighting a fire under your ass to be able to accurately get better at what you're doing quicker. Another thing that I think is really important is if you know you have certain limitations as a business owner, 
do not skimp out on early hires. I'm not saying add a bunch of overhead, spend more than you're capable of. That's not what I'm saying. But it's really important that the skills you do not embody that are imperative to get the business running, give up some of that profit and get the business running properly to have the skill sets needed to grow it at a faster rate. Sometimes you do need to hire the skills that you don't have in a service-based industry and sometimes even in product-based Caroline, like I'm sure mm-hmm. maybe you might need a, to bring on a consultant of some sort. You know what I mean? Totally. And I think a lot of people too, they think, oh, well, I don't have the money to be, you know, paying this person every month to be doing this thing. Like I can't have employees right now, but there is the option to like contract out and say, you know what, can you do this for me for three months? Just hire like short-term contracts. Mm-hmm. And then just to get you like your head in the door or foot in the door or whatever, just to get you in there um, and get you set up better. So you don't have to just be like, oh, I need to hire someone for the year. You can do little short-term contracts just to get you where you need to be. A thousand percent. If you're starting out a business, don't be scared to invest in an expert or someone who's really good at something you're shit at to bridge that gap and help you start on a stronger footing. 100%. You know, really don't undervalue what you're doing and what you're selling. You're in a business for a reason. You have to make money. There's a lot of guilt around charging people for new entrepreneurs. And I know whoever's listening to this is totally like... (laughs) relating to this right now because you just feel guilty charging people to make the money and you can't do that. You have to put yourself in their shoes and say, you know what, if I got this service at an incredible amount, or if this product really took my eczema away, what would I be willing to pay for that? And work from that angle instead of, I feel guilty for charging. So with all this said, Caroline, What does it feel like after putting in all of this investment, all of this effort, going through the tasks where you're like, oh, I don't want to do this today. Like, why is this part of my business? What does it feel like to be succeeding with your own online business after everything you've been through? So this is a great question. Um, I think success can definitely mean different things to different people. And I think uh, the definition can definitely change depending on where you are in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously for most people, financial freedom and the freedom to make your own schedule will always be part of it mm-hmm. because obviously I definitely love that. But right now, success to me looks more like genuinely loving what I do and being able to make a positive change in the world. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely think it's important to like integrate your passion into your business to make it more enjoyable, but obviously you need more than emotion to make it profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely think that just using your gifts, I guess, to make a positive change in the world is like the most fulfilling thing ever with both my business, whether it be consulting or skincare, allowing me to get so much feedback back. And I'm actually allowed to like see the physical changes I'm making in people's lives, whether it be decrease in bloating, seeing acne or psoriasis diminish with my products. It feels so great knowing that I'm doing something that I love, but I'm actually making a change in other people's lives as well. And also just like seeing the products used by so many people and that I literally created from nothing or even like in my own bathroom. It's just like fucking cool. Like I literally put on a little moisturizer before bed and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Who made this? Oh yeah, me. (laughs) You know, it's just so funny. It's it's even great seeing your products in my bathroom. I mean, I'm like, ah, my friend did that, you know? 
And I think that what you're saying is beautiful and it serves as fuel when the going gets tough, right? It serves Uh as a motivation beyond money, beyond just like being your own business person is, is definitely an intrinsic motivation to really get the recognition in your own soul that you've done something for someone. And I want you to know that you don't have to be in an industry where you're you know, solving skincare problems or solve like doing kind deeds. That's not what we're talking about, but whatever business you're in, you can create that value where you really help people's lives. Like you might say like, well, Celine, how do you help people's lives with websites? I make them excited about their life again. I get messages from, I just got one yesterday, really touching. And it really, like I felt goosebumps on my neck where she was saying since COVID, she hasn't felt alive. And ever since her website got redesigned, she feels so motivated and inspired again to do her business. I love that. And it's so nice. And by extension, any business I work with and I help grow, I'm a part of that business. So I'm working with a clinic right now who helps people manage their lupus symptoms. And working with this brilliant woman that I get the opportunity to work with, creating her brand and website, just knowing how genuinely motivated she is to help people. I know by helping her, I'm helping by extension more people as well. So I'm adding value in my own way to the world by taking my job seriously, by helping her succeed. So no matter what you do, whatever business you're in there, there's always a way to add that intrinsic motivation and value. You got to find that one thing that makes it all worth it because money sometimes isn't enough. It's great, but It's never going to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. And your head will hit the roof eventually. You're going to be like, I'm bored. You know, it has to give you more than just your, more than just money, more than just a sense of accomplishment. If you really want to be doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. I think if you're pursuing your passions, you're learning, you're making meaningful, meaningful relationships, your customers are generally happy and your business is profitable. It doesn't mean you're making a million dollars, but it's profitable. I think you're in a great spot for success. A hundred percent. I think that you know, everything you've said in this episode is, is so great and so meaningful and valuable to everyone. And hopefully we'll have you again on to talk about maybe different things. Cause I know you and I, we love chatting. We love chatting and we (laughs) love talking. We have a Great time. I'd love to do a podcast with some vino as well. I, I literally was just thinking oh. like next time it needs to be like a 5 p.m. Actually, it doesn't even need to be 5 p.m. We just need a little wine or something and like talk about some juicy stuff, like something more personal. I feel like that's fun. 100. It is 5 p.m. my time, girl. <laughs> I can drink. <laughs> no, but I think like we were we were debating to talk about confidence and all these things. So in any case, I really appreciate your time, Caroline. I'm so excited that you were part of this. I think it's incredible what you're doing. I think the business that you have is I'm so proud of you as a human being doing this stuff. And I love seeing any human take on business, but especially women. Like it just has a special spot in my heart. Really? And I'm, well, I'm so proud of you, you know. as well. Like you're, you're killing it. You've been killing it for so long and I feel like it's so amazing. And I'm so proud of you for that. Well, it's a great thing to be aligned with friends that help elevate you and, and inspire you too. Thank you for being that for me. And just to recap this episode, it's normal to have fear. You're going to have fear. Go for it anyways. Don't over plan, get in action, make it perfect later as you get feedback because you can never anticipate what's going to come up. It's just the name of the game. Setbacks are expected, but you got to learn how to pivot and adjust 
And basically there is a difference between having a product-based business and a service-based business, pros and cons to each. And again, just the importance of having a cohesive branding identity where you're thinking of different elements that tie in things together and make people feel like they can really trust the professionalism of your service or product. And all the mistakes we talked about to avoid, not skimping out on early hires, not being the entrepreneur that does it all, like not spreading yourself too thin, underestimating how long it might take to launch your product and buffering that time in, and undervaluing what you're selling. If you have any questions, by the way, if you're a business owner and you want to run your service by me, you want to say like, look, here's what I offer, here's what the industry is doing, and here's what I charge, I'm happy to take a look. Just shoot me an email on my website at www.selenekirk.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with Caroline, go buy one of her guides or her Look Organic products. You can go to lookorganics.com and carolinecandice.com. I mean, if they ever need any help too, don't, don't hesitate. Just send me an email at info yeah. at carolinecandice.com. DMs are definitely a mess. So email is <laughs> yeah. the easiest and the best way to reach me. But yeah, I'm obviously more than happy to always help people. That's very sweet. Thanks for listening, guys. And I hope you've gotten some great value out of this. Feel free to email either of us and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. <laughs>